I want to say good morning to you again. And happy Mother's Day again. Isn't it fun seeing those kids up here and learning? It's a great thing, isn't it? Um, as you know, as Heather said, we've been studying Philippians. I want to read to you this morning uh, some of the verses we're going to be going through. And actually, uh, Heather just re- uh, read, wrote, read those to us. I'm going to start in verse 6 just because I want to. Verse 6 of chapter 1 says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness how I long for you, all with affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. You just heard that, didn't you, kiddos? So that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Father, again, we lift this time. We thank you. Lord, it's just been so wonderful to be praising you today and worshiping you today and and to be ministered to, Father God. And I thank you uh, for this time we just had with the children and for Miss Heather who who, who brought this this lesson to them, Father God. And, And I pray that we all take from it, Lord, that we should ooze you. Father God, that we should just be so filled with you and, and always looking to know more about you and, and, and to have that love for you, that Father, when anyone's around us, that we just ooze Jesus and that, that they can see that he is our light. And Father, in that would give us opportunities to share. Lord God, I thank you for these scriptures and this passage that, that, that challenges us, Father God. I thank you for, for how Paul just continues to challenge us throughout this book. God, we pray now that as we go through these last few scriptures this morning, that you would bless our time together, that, Father, you would help us to hide these scriptures in our heart and the understanding and knowledge that we have from them, Father, that we can be those children that you've called us to be. God, I ask that that there wouldn't be anything here to distract us, to keep us from hearing from you and to keep us from doing what you've called us to do, Father. We thank you and we praise you, Lord. We give all this time to you. I ask again, as usual, that I wouldn't be in the way today, Heavenly Father, that it may be my voice, but it's your words and your message, not mine. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I want to just review a little bit what we went through uh, last week, just to kind of keep us caught up here and, um, and, and, and ready to go. I mainly just kind of want to hit there on verses 7 and 8, and I... We're talking about the marks of a mature Christian, a a mature believer. And the last mark that we kind of talked about last week, and and I just want to hit on this because it's important as we go forward into the rest of these verses, but it's the mark of this Christian partnership that Paul is talking about here. And, 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 and the first thing we see is that Paul was, was closely bound to this church, and we talked about that. He says that they were partners in the heart, that, that Paul loved this church, the people, right? Remember, the church isn't a building, it's the people. And that he loved this church so deeply that they were a part of himself, that, that they were always on his mind. He, he loved them as he loved himself. And they were, he, we see that they were partners with him there in suffering, which means that they were sympathizing with Paul in the imprisonment that he was in at that point. That they, they, and, and it was very well 
possible and more than possible probable that they were going through some sufferings on behalf of Christ as well. So they could really relate to Paul and and all of this was kind of linked together. They knew that they were doing this for the gospel of Christ, yet they were loving each other. They were in each other's hearts. The point is that this affection between Paul and the Philippian church was a very tender affection. Their hearts continued to go out for one another, back and forth. What, basically what one was experiencing, the other would experience. You know, the, the Bible says, cry with those who cry and, and be happy, be joyful with those who are joyful. And, and, and that's kind of the way we are to be as this family of Christ, that we're in partnership together, that we should know one another's hearts. That's very important as we go forward from here. And, and it's this this picture of sympathy needed for those who suffer and it's this picture of uh, of joy with those who are joyful romans 15 1 says now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves that's such a an important passage for us because many times we want to ignore what others are going through in order to please ourselves and what that means is oh i don't really want to go through that with them i just don't have time i don't have the desire whatever what's really more important is my happiness and he says we don't want to do that it says in hebrews 4:15 and 16 for for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness but the one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin therefore let us draw near with confidence with confidence the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need jesus christ has been through it all really when i look at what christ went through i'm pretty sure he's gone through a lot more than me too than I'll probably ever go through. He's experienced all this, and we can look to Him, and, and, and He's our strength. But He's also our partner in this. Talked how they were partners in the gospel, that they hadn't given up on the gospel. As much, as much was going on within the world and all of the persecutions and things that were happening, they remained partners in the gospel. Even Paul in his imprisonment was presenting the gospel. These folks, through their, through their trials and their temptations, through their persecutions, were still sharing the gospel with people. Isn't that really what brings us joy when you think about it? They were partners in the grace of God. That Paul was expressing this grace of God. The favor and the blessing of God is what that is. And the Philippian church was expressing that same grace. And people were seeing it. And lives were being changed because of it. That's who we are. They were partners with Christ, just as we are. They're spreading the gospel. They, they, they have this deep affection, this compassion. We should have the tenderness of Jesus Christ that Paul said he had for the Philippians. We need to have that tenderness for one another. We need to have that together, both as the pastor and as the church. We should know each other's hearts. We should have this kind of affection. And that just leads me in to what I want to talk to you about this morning. Verses 9 and 10. Let me just read them again. It says, In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. And what we see here is the mark of this mature believer here is there's this growing and discerning love. 
There's a growing and a discerning love. This is a very important part of this passage here. He's beginning to bring it all together. He's given us this challenge. He's, he's said so many things here. He's talked about this partnership and, and the affection that we have for one another as we have for Christ. And he's bringing it together. And, and I want you to understand a couple of things about love in the Bible. Something that's probably most important that we need to understand, that the Bible never focuses on good feelings when it comes to love in the Bible. It's not a focus on good feelings. Now, understand me, feelings are, uh, they may and they usually do come, right, when we, when we truly love a person. There's, there's some feelings there. There's some emotion there. And I, I understand that. But feelings are never the focus here in the Bible. Not with true love. Feelings aren't the focus. I think it's important that we hear that as we begin to build this this relationship, this partnership, this heart for each other that we're supposed to have because it's not about feelings. That's not true love. What is the focus then? Well, the first thing we see that the focus is is what? Is that of knowledge. The focus is that of knowledge. Well, what does that mean to have a focus on knowledge? Well, I believe this. If we truly love someone, right, we want to know them. I shared with you, and I'll share it again. Seems like, you know, Henry was gone for a while because he's working all the time. But I still remember <laughs> the first day Henry walked through that, those doors. I can tell you what he was wearing. You want me to tell you what he's wearing? He had some gray slacks on with a blue sport coat and a tie, and I thought, great, he's one of those Southern Baptist guys. But look how I've changed him. <laughs> I remember coming around that corner, and I've shared this before because th- I think we need to have this for each other, for everyone. I remember him coming around that corner, and I said, that guy's going to be one of my best friends. I was up here, I was already up, I think I was giving announcements, I don't think I was preaching yet, unless, well, Henry is late a lot. But I remember, and I don't know if it's because I felt sorry for him because he was bald. Maybe I thought he just needed a friend. But I remember, I said, Henry's going to be one of, one of my best friends. He's going to be a guy I can count on. I'd already had a, a couple of guys like that in our church, but I'd known them. I think of Danny. I've known Danny a long time. And I love Danny. But I'd already loved Danny, so I thought, well, I can love Henry too. Why I say that is because in order for me to get to know Henry the way I did Danny or some of the others that had been here before Henry is, is I had to focus on him. I had to build a relationship with him. I had to be a friend with him. And in order for me to become that friend that I was going to be to him, that brother in Christ that I wanted to be to him, that buddy that maybe I wanted to be, I had to get to know Henry. It doesn't mean that I just take a day or so and ask a few questions and go, oh, okay, we're best buds now. It, it takes time. I look around at the men in this church who I love. I think of Brian. I think of, I think of Ron. I don't think of Steve. I think of Charles and Brian. I think of Josh, Lyle, Dave. Jeremy. I'm getting to know Colby. Colby and I got a lot closer on Wednesday night because he decided to tie some knots in my strings on my shoes it took me about 10 minutes to get out of. For some reason, that made me like it more. <laughs> Lafrain, Carl, 
So many of you guys, as I'm getting to know you, my brother's from Wisconsin. Never thought I could like anybody from Wisconsin. But these friendships just can't be automatic. There's an investment here that goes on. It's getting to know one another. It's a knowledge of one another. It's a knowledge of knowing that that when my brother Lyle's down, I know that. He doesn't have to tell me. And when I ask him, what's going on, Lyle, and he says nothing, I can smack him in the face and go, liar. It's, It's a true love. You want to know them. You want to know them. And it takes some time. It takes some effort. It takes some investment. You know what it takes? It takes some partnership. That's what God is calling us to do here, is to partner up, to love one another, to get to know one another. And and more than that, to get to know Him. Through our scriptures, through our worship, through our praise, through all of that. We're getting to know Jesus Christ more and more. That's going to take some investment, folks. It's going to take us doing our homework. It's going to take us reading our Bible. It's going to take us, t- take us studying God's Word. It's going to take us talking to Him, opening ourselves up to Him, and not trying to hide it. That's true love, is getting to know the person. But I want you to see the discernment here. There's this force of love, and that's discernment. This is important also. That word there means this, intelligence or judgment. Intelligence or judgment. What that is, is if we truly love someone, we not only want to know that person, but we want to learn all we can about that person. We want to gather all of the intelligence we can, all the facts that are out there as much as possible, and we're going to discern them. So what? So that we can please that person. That might shake us up a little bit. Because really, don't I just want to please myself? See, that's part of it, isn't it? It's seeing others above ourselves as more important than ourselves, that we want to please them, we want to serve mankind. That's what God has called us to do in this partnership with Him. And it's only that we can do it in partnership with one another. But we can't do it in partnership with one another if we're not willing to take the time to get to know each other. If we're not willing to discern what the needs of my brother or sister are. We can't do it. If we only want to be surface, if we only really want to do this on Sundays or Wednesdays or maybe just Wednesdays or maybe just Sundays and we just kind of want to come and sit and go, I had a great week, but we never want to get intimate. We never really want to discern. We never really want that knowledge. Then we wonder, why aren't we making a difference in the world? And it's because, can I say it? We don't really care. We don't have time. I think it's time we get over it, folks. And I think it's time that we take the challenge that Paul has given us and we become partners in this and we discern and know one another. And through that, we do all the things the Bible has commanded us as best as we can. I want you to see that Paul wants the believers here, that he wants their love to grow more and more and more. We need to know more and more about Christ and we need to be more and more about each other. We need to do that. It's the only way we're going to do this challenge. It's the only way we're going to be who God's called us to be, especially folks, again, and I know I keep saying this and I'll keep saying it until you throw up because I've said it so much. This new beginning that God has given us, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. 
And my prayer is that none of you want to miss it either. And so that we're willing to work together and partnership together and know each other and discern each other enough that we can move forward in this new beginning. And and when it's not new anymore, it continues to be new. Because it's exciting every day. Because we're getting to know each other. I want to tell you something, folks. That can get a bit messy at times. But that's good. Because Christ in the midst of it can clean the mess up if we will trust Him. If we'll depend on Him. If we will give it to Him. Remember I talked about true fellowship last week or a week before. True fellowship is getting through even the hard times together based on the Word of God, not on our feelings. That's how we do it. This is so important for us to understand the challenge that Paul is giving us. As we we gather more and more understanding about each other, we begin to get more and more discernment about each other, and we get more and more intelligence about each other. And the more that we know about Christ and each other, the more our love with each other will grow. That takes risk. My challenge, part of my challenge this morning, is that you will leave here this morning committed to taking a risk. On each other. And that risk includes your emotions, your feelings, your knowledge, your discernment, but it also includes your time. I challenge you this morning to take a risk for Jesus Christ. There's three reasons why we need to love and we need to grow more and more. One of them is a growing love is needed really in order to approve things, the Bible says, that are excellent. Did you see that? To approve things that are Excellent. What does that mean? I've shared this a lot with you before, and he really begins to hit here. Paul hits it hard. It's not just enough to know what is right and wrong. That's not enough here. What it is, is it's not enough just to do what is right here. Sometimes, as I've said before, there's a choice between good and excellent, acceptable and best. There's a choice. The problem is, is we're satisfied with good. Folks, let us not be satisfied Let us not grow complacent in just being good, in just having good in our lives when it's God himself who says, I want you to have the best. It's not enough. There are choices between good and excellent, between acceptable and best, and and, and only really in what I believe is this growing love that I'm talking about. I believe that only that growing love is what's going to stir us to choose excellent and best. The more we love the Lord, the more we will choose the excellent and the best that He gives. That's just fact. The more that we love each other, the more we will choose the excellent and best for each other. A growing love, (laughs) it's not going to want to do anything that would even come close to causing a brother or sister to stumble. A growing love is needed for us to be sincere and pure. That's, a, that's kind of the second thing he's saying here. A growing love is needed for us to be sincere and pure. Now the word here, the word sincere means this, to sift about through a sieve in order to make pure. You know, that, the first thing that comes to my mind on that, as a kid, do you ever remember taking the, the finest screen that your parents had off of the window? So, okay, I'm glad I wasn't the only one. My dad loved me because I did all these little experiments. I'd take a screen off a window that had the... Reminds me of a story. 
I've done a lot of foster parenting. I've got to share this story with you. So now it makes more sense. Had a girl come. We were afraid she was going to run away and all these things. And she had a boyfriend. And so we were kind of worried about all this stuff. And I'm just going to be honest with you. We had enough kids trying to escape our house that we ended up nailing the screens shut. <laughs> and I came home one morning and I saw the screen was bent out. From this girl. So Becky and I went down and we said, what's going on? Why is that screen bent out? I said, I don't know. I said, no, it wasn't bent out the night before. Why is that screen bent out? She goes, well, I got hot and I needed air and the air couldn't make it through the little squares in the screen. (laughs) Ask Becky, I'm not lying. Anyway, (laughs) the nice thing about those little squares in the screen that don't let any air through, if you put dirt on them, it'll refine the dirt down to just a real fine powder. Have you ever done that? You know, and then you take your magnet and get all the little other things out of it. Long story just to talk about sincerity, right? Sincere is to sift through as in a sieve in order to make pure. There's this sifting. The the word pure then means uncontaminated, not polluted, untainted. See what he's saying here? We are to stay pure until the return of Christ and we're to grow in our love and as we do that we will keep our eyes focused on Christ because that's who our love is about. That's who's given us love. There could be no love in the world without God. God is love. And if we don't love Him, guess what? We're not going to look to Him. If we don't love God, we're not going to look to Him. But if we love Him, we will keep our eyes focused completely on Him and we will long to see and to be with Him. That's the kind of love we're talking about. That sincerity, that purity, that only love, this true love that I'm talking about is what's going to keep us purely waiting for His return. I was thinking, what would be a good illustration of this as well, this, this waiting for his return? And I started to think about young women, you know, especially in World War II and these wars, and even in the Afghans where all these wars, these ladies, these young, these young wives are sending their husbands, or maybe these young husbands are sending their wives off to war. And they're waiting. And they're not just waiting, though. They're staying pure. Every thought, every action, they're staying pure for that soldier to come home. They're not sinning against that husband. They're not sinning against that wife. They're doing their best to stay pure. Does that make sense? That's us waiting on the return of Jesus Christ. But I want you to see this as well. A growing love is needed to keep us, he says there, from causing others to stumble. I kind of hit on this a little bit, but I want to get a little heavier into this because this is so important because I think this this is one area where we tend to miss it as Christians, I think, because we want to excuse our way out of some things. What this means is we're to always guard ourselves or, or, or guard against being an offense or a stumbling block to others. An offense or stumbling block to others. We have to be willing, listen to me, we have to be willing to choose the best and the excellent, not for the sake of ourselves, but for the sake of others. Again, don't think of yourself more highly. So our choosing an excellent and best many times is for the sake of others. You see, and then I start to think about this. So what this looks like is, you know, in our lives, <coughs> there's some things in my life that don't tempt me. I can control those things in my life if, if there are some temptations. 
I can control those things very well. But guess what? Others may not be able to. Well, what do you mean, Rick? Drinking? Television? Movies? Eating? You may think them to be trivial because they may not be a big deal for you. Maybe there's some social functions. Maybe they're the, the latest fashions. Ladies, can I tell you there's some latest fashions you probably shouldn't be in? Men, same thing. And that's for a lot of reasons. Not maybe just the way it looks, but the way it, what, what it says to the world. You say, well, those are pretty trivial, Rick. Well, let me tell you something. Folks, you know me. If you know me, you, I've talked about the drinking part, all of that stuff. I don't struggle with drinking. In fact, I, I don't care for it much. I used to be a huge drinker. Used to drink a lot. I drank to get drunk. But as I became a Christian, I began to see the, 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 the bigger picture of that, that. That if I, as just a Christian, were to drink in front of another Christian, well, what if that Christian has a problem with drinking? What if they can't control themselves the way I can? What have I done? I believe I've given them approval to drink themselves to death, to stumble. People say, well, you don't want me drinking? I say, you know what? That's between you and God. But if you're going to drink, why don't you keep it in your own house? Then I watch others. Maybe they think they can control their drinking, and maybe it's a group of people that can control their drinking. Then you know what I see? I see them drunk, drinking in front of their children. That's just a beer. I'm not getting drunk. Really, your kid doesn't know that. The children around you don't know that. You say, Rick, maybe you're being a little rough. No, I don't believe I am, because we have a great responsibility as Christians to the world. A great responsibility. We may be able to control it. And so we automatically think, well, everybody else can control it. They can't, folks. And why would you want to be an excuse for them not to? We have to think about these things. We don't want to be that stumbling block. I, I, I can think of a list of things to go on. You can tell I might be passionate about the drinking thing, and it's probably because I struggled with it in my life. But I'm passionate about it all. I don't care what it is. If you're doing something that can cause a brother or even a man who doesn't know Christ to struggle, to stumble, why would we do it? Why? Because we don't care. And I think that becomes a problem because if we don't care about each other, how in the world would we care about somebody who's not a brother or sister in Christ? We need to be partners. We need to be passionate towards one another. We need to take risks. We need to build relationships with ourselves and with Jesus Christ. We have to control everything we do. We, not, we should never slip over into something that's questionable. Sometimes not even doing the acceptable and good is good enough. We have to choose the best. We have to approve only the things that are excellent. Did you hear that? Only the things that are excellent. Why? Because we don't want a brother to stumble. Because to offer up to the Lord the very best that we are. Truth is, we'll go back to the drinking thing. You and I could argue from now until whenever about whether one beer's okay out in public. We could argue about that all day. But I will now pose the question to you that should make that decision for you. Is that the best for Christ? Is that the best for Christ? 
Youth, let me talk to you a minute. I, I mentioned the dress. Maybe when you get up in the mornings, you should be looking at yourselves in the mirror and saying, and what I wearing the best for Christ? Are my actions in the school, are my actions in the workplace, oh, they're okay, but are they the best for Christ? That tends to kind of start to mess things up, doesn't it? Amen. I want you to think for a minute. Think for a minute how maybe some of the times we've chosen to do less than our best for our Lord. Maybe we've offered up to Him a behavior, words, thoughts, deeds, works, whatever those are, that were only second best and we knew it. Don't you think that might break His heart? Don't you think that affects Him? Don't you think He he just... I don't know, I get this picture of Him and I'm just going, why? I've given you the best. Why? Good news is God knows everything I know. Let me read a scripture to you that we've talked about time and time again. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living sacrifice, holy, the kind He can accept. When you think of what He has done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but be a new and different person with a fresh newness in all you do and think. Then you will learn from your own experience how His ways will really satisfy you. I read that from the Living Bible. I like that. You've heard it from the New American Standard enough. Be a living sacrifice. Be a living sacrifice. See, all these things that I've just talked about, the partnership, the discernment, the knowledge of one another, that's going to be sacrifice. We've, we're called to be these. And then, you know what I like about it? The Bible says that's just our, our acceptable service to God. It's not even anything overboard. Don't you love that? I'll wrap it up with this. The last thing, the last mark of mature believers, and that's the mark of righteousness. This is important. I want to, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to say some things here today, and, 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 and some of you, or maybe all of you, at one point today are going to want to shut out what I'm saying, and I want you to stay attentive, and I want you to listen. And I don't want you to read anything into what I'm saying, but I want you to hear the heart of God. Righteousness means two things, but very profound things. And what righteous means, righteousness means is this. It means both to be right and to do right. Both to be right and to do right. These are things that, that are stressed here. It's a stress of being righteous and, and not to neglect being, doing righteousness. And, and there's a problem that happens. There, there's, there, there's these two stresses that, out there, that are out there, right? So, so what happens? If you're a person who, who stresses being righteous, but you ne- neglect doing righteousness, it leads to two errors in, our, in your life. I'll say our life. I'm going to include myself in both these because I, I don't want you to know which way I lean. Two serious errors. The first one, if, you, if we are people who, who only stress being righteous and not doing righteousness, the first serious error it leads to is a false security. Don't shut me down. It, what happens is it causes us to stress more on the fact that we are saved and acceptable to God but the, the, just because we believe in God. Remember one of my 
my favorite scriptures, John 1, 12, even to those who believe is given the right to become children of God. It's not enough to believe. What it does is it, is it, is it causes that, that belief in Christ, but what we do is we begin to neglect doing good and living as we should, the way the Bible commands. We neglect obeying God and we neglect serving man because we are, are more about being righteous. I'm acceptable because I believe in Christ. And the second thing it leads to, hear me on this, is loose living. Why does it lead to that? Because you know what it allows us to do? It allows us to go out and do pretty much all that we want to do because we feel secure and comfortable in our faith in Christ. So hoo-hoo, I can do what I want. God's forgiven me. Great attitude. We know that what we do may affect our fellowship with God and it may affect other believers, but we begin to think that, well, my behavior doesn't affect my salvation. We think that no matter what we do, we're still acceptable to God. See, some of you just shut me down there. Let me tell you what the problem with this stress here is, is that it's a false righteousness. It's false. Righteousness in the Bible means being righteous, but it also means doing righteousness. The Bible knows nothing about being righteous without living righteous. But then there's those who stress doing righteousness and neglect being righteous. What does this mean? What does this lead to? I think another two serious errors that we see here. The first one is self-righteousness and legalism. This this isn't good. Self-righteousness and legalism. It causes us as a person to begin to stress that we are saved and acceptable only because we continue to do good works for Christ. We work and we behave morally and we keep certain rules and regulations like what Heather said today. We love to set ourselves up with rules and regulations that we can keep because, man, that makes me look righteous. We do the things a Christian should do by obeying the main laws of God and looking good to others, but we neglect the basic law, the law of love and acceptance. How many times have we judged somebody coming through this door and said they will never be a part of us? We believe that God doesn't love us or accept us because we, we, we think that because somebody isn't doing good, God doesn't love them, doesn't really want to save them because, well, they're just not doing good. Look, you know what I love about the Baptists? If we see somebody doing something bad or good, you know what our first reaction is? Eh, they just were never saved. I sure am glad we're God. I sure am glad we can make the judgment of who's saved and who's not. All based on an action. Let me tell you something, folks. I know you. All right, who who loosened that that knew I was going to do that? You know what that would have been? That would have been one of those righteous people. Here's the second thing that it does, folks. It causes us to be judgmental and to find fault. If all we stress is doing righteousness but not being righteous, then we just look at people and we judge and we fault find. If you've known me for for very long, you know what I feel about judgment. I'd be glad to talk to you about that to explain that more. I'm not going to take the time today. (laughs) 
but it causes us to be judgmental, fault-finding. We stress that, that we are righteous, we are acceptable to God, and because He keeps certain laws, we keep those laws, and, and so we can begin to judge people and find fault in others because of their actions. We, we, we feel that, that, that rules and regulations can keep us. Therefore, anyone who really fails to keep those rules and regulations as we set forth are judged, criticized, and censored. The problem with this stress is this. It's false righteousness. It's false righteousness. Again, righteousness in the Bible is being righteous as well as doing righteousness. The Bible knows nothing of being acceptable to God without being made righteous in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 through 34. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame, he says. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might not become, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Maybe there's some thought to be done here today. Maybe, maybe we can get a little more serious and really begin to look in our hearts. And now maybe we can begin to share our hearts, folks. I want to tell you, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to give your life to him. I want you to begin to experience this new life he gives. And I want you to begin to experience the fellowship that we can truly have together in him, true fellowship. And I want you to begin to experience the partnership and and the investment that we should have in one another. I want you to see that. I want you to be a part of that. And we're working towards that. If you would like to give your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you to come this morning and talk to me. What we're going to do right now is we're going to do our fellowship time. See, because I'm going to challenge you right away. I want you to start talking about this together. I know there's some people you, think, you know you can talk to, and that's good. Talk to them first. But let's start to get to know each other. I want to challenge you today to start investing in one another. I don't want your little, hey, how's your day going? Oh, it's good, your little surface answers. Let's really talk. Let's take this fellowship time that we have and let's use it to glorify God. Let's start to talk about this right now, right today. Amen? We're going to pray. We're going to have a little fellowship. Then we're going to bring you back together with a song or so. And we got some of those flowers for you ladies. We'll just kind of hand those out while we're singing. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for our day. Lord, thank you again for our time together. And God, again, thank you for your scripture. Lord, again, it's hard. It's it, it offends at times. It's, it's difficult. But God, we've got to start doing it right. We've got to do this right. Lord, help us today, even in this time of fellowship, to begin to build partnerships, to begin to, to, to grow in the knowledge and discernment of one another. And in that, Father God, we can grow in our knowledge and discernment of you as we see how you've knit us together for this purpose. Lord, there may be someone here today who's never given their life to you. I pray that during this time, maybe I can talk to them. Maybe we, 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 can, we can talk about you, Father God. Maybe today they'll give their life over to you. But God, that's yours. That's not mine. I just want your will, not mine. And so, Father, bless our time now together in this fellowship. And as we come back to sing praises to you, Father God, may we know each other just a little bit more. In Jesus' name, amen.